Okay. So tonight's the time we stood at, we arrived at Mount Sinai, like one person with one heart. And um, Hashem said, because you are like one person with one heart, therefore the time has come, I could finally give you the Torah. Till this point, we were all, wherever we traveled, there was arguments. And Hashem said, now that you're all united together, Hashem said, therefore I can now give you the Torah. So on this theme, I want to share with you a few stories. First story, you just heard this past Shabbos from Rechaim Ashkovitz. True story he said about himself. It's an amazing story. Rechaim worked for Reb Zalman Roth, a plumbing company, Reb Zalman in Los Angeles. And this many years ago. And he got an assignment to uh, put in a, um, a water heater in a vacant apartment in Los Angeles. So the issue was that the um, this vacant apartment, um, he, gave, he was given the address, but the Rabbi Zalman told him that they don't. He doesn't really know. Um, he doesn't really know um, how he can get in there because because the uh, he doesn't he, he doesn't have the access to the apartment. It, it, but he has to get in there somehow. He has to break into the apartment. The problem was he had the wrong address. So he, so he went to the apartment. He tried the key. Didn't work. He went to the window, and he and he and he broke the window, and he and he jumped in backwards into the apartment. And he was greeted by an African-American gentleman with a gun. His, you are a robber. Get out of my house. So he was so frightened. Instead of saying, I am not a, I'm not a robber. I'm a, plum- I'm a plumber. He said, I'm not a plumber. I'm a robber. I said, yes. <laughs> That's why I can assure you. He said, no, no, no. I understand. I'm a plumber. My tools. I've given this address the wrong address. The guy took him a while, but eventually he believed him. And then he says, hey, you must be Jewish, aren't you? He says, yeah, I am Jewish. He says, oh, he calls his wife. His wife was Jewish. And they had a 17-year-old son. And he said to his wife, this guy's Jewish, you're Jewish, right? And so because of this encounter, this fateful encounter, this, this family, the, the, husband, the wife and their, and their son, learned about Shabbos candles, and he started putting on tefillin, they came very, very close because of this of this encounter. It, it makes you think about this idea of all like one person with one heart, and how Hashem reaches out to us and inspires us and brings us to certain places that we wouldn't plan on going in order that every Jew should be there. And as the Rebbe said, it's so important every Jew be there um, on the anniversary when Torah is given this coming Friday. So Hashem puts people in our life, and and we have to make opportunities to share this message with anyone we can, so everyone, so every Jew is really there. On that note, um, I want to share with you uh, two more stories. This first story is about um, Rabbi Tzvi Pesach Frank. He was a prominent rabbi in Israel, and his grandson, Yaakov Frank, when um, Begin became the prime minister, he, Yaakov Frank was a rabbi in Petach Tikva, he was involved in um, settling various parts of, of Israel after the Six-Day War, and he was invited to speak to the rabbi because of his position in, in, the, in the prime minister's office. So when the rabbi spoke to him, the rabbi asked him, are you perhaps related 
to Tzvi Pesach Frank. Tzvi Pesach Frank was a prominent rabbi in Israel in the earlier years in Israel in the 20s. He says, yes, I'm actually the oldest grandson of Rabbi Frank. And the rabbi asked him, please share with me, with me something about your grandfather. So he shared the, with the rabbi the following story. He said that um, in, the, in, in the 20s, in, in Hebron, there was a yeshiva that was led by a man named Menachem Mendel Epstein. Menachem Mendel Epstein was a very dedicated teacher, but, um, but he, uh, he, he, he had a hard time keeping these American boys in Hebron because um, um, everyone was concerned that because of the um, rising tensions between the Jews and the Arabs, Everyone was wondering that perhaps it wouldn't be a good place for the boys to study, and they should leave and they go back to America. So one, uh, one couple sent a letter to the yeshiva asking their son to come back home, and Rabbi Epstein tasked Rabbi C. Pesach Frank, who was also working in the yeshiva, to write a letter back to the parents and tell them that they're okay, there's no problem, they can stay in Hebron, nothing's going to happen to them. That's, and he wrote a letter. And, he, and because of the letter that he wrote, the parents agreed to let their son stay. Unfortunately, on the 18th day of Av in 1929, there was a massacre in, in Hebron. 67 Jews were killed. Among them were 24 students in this yeshiva. And among them was a child of these parents who were concerned about their son. So Tzvi Pesach Frank, this rabbi, Yaakov Frank told the rabbi how his grandfather for 30 years, it plagued him this event. It bothered him to no end. He, he, he felt that he was responsible because he wrote this letter and he, he couldn't come to himself. Anyways, Yaakov Frank told the Rebbe that he was once um, uh, called back to serve in the army as, as a reservist and come, came back from the reserves to work in the, in the Dumiluim in Israel. And because it was raining so intensely, he was... Um, they, they canceled the uh, the practice um, training that they were going to do that day. And everyone was like running for cover to go to protect themselves from the rain. And so when he ran away from the rain, he came into this shelter from the rain and he met some American journalists. And they start talking to each other. They're, they're, it's raining for a while. They're there for, for a long time. They start talking to each other. And the journalist... Um, hears from uh, Rabbi Frank about who he is. And he says, oh, I want to tell you, I know that student. That student is actually uh, my family. He said that after the um, parents um, lost their child, they lobbied the American government very strongly to uh, tell the British government, who was then in charge of Israel, to, to not allow these kind of things to happen. This massacre happened under the eyes of the British government. And because of my, um, because of this boy's parents, the, the American government actually did lobby England and England put a new high commissioner, Arthur, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, if, uh, Arthur something, Chop, and he made sure that there was no, he, first of all, they the, um, expanded, the British government expanded the amount of visas that were allotted to Jews to come to Israel. Second of all, they stopped letting the violence happen. It was all because of, the, of their son's death. So their son's death actually saved many lives.
So this was very reassuring for Rabbi Yaakov Frank, and he wanted to share this with his grandfather. But he was planning to go to Israel to Yushalayim for Shabbos anyways. So he's thinking, why should I rush to Yushalayim now? But then he had a thought, like my grandfather's in agony for 30 years about the story. I'm going to go to him right now. It was Thursday night. His wife said, we're going there for Shabbos. You can go there Shabbos. You go there every Shabbos morning. I'm going there right now. He goes there. He tells his grandfather what happened. And he tells grandfather how, how this, this event had a very positive result. And it saved many, many more lives. And his grandfather, with tears in his eyes, thanked him and thanked him. And that Shabbos, it was the 21st of Kislev in uh, 1969. He went to his grandfather's house that Shabbos morning, and he was greeted by his sister. His sister said, unfortunately, their grandfather had <clears throat> their grandfather had just passed away. So he told this whole story to the Rebbe. So the Rebbe said, this is what I encourage my chassidim all the time, that a, a mitzvah comes up, should never delay it. A mitzvah comes up, you should always grab the opportunity. You don't know what, if this opportunity is how long you'll have it for. And besides the fact that the Rambam says that every good thing you do um, adds the scale of merit and, and brings salvation to the world, and the next good th thought you have could tip the scale and bring Mashiach. But besides that, if you have an opportunity to help another person spiritually, you don't know when that opportunity will, will uh, how long that will last and, and if, if, this is, if this is the only chance. So I said, this is what I'm trying to tell my chassidim, they should, they should work, opportunity comes up, as fast as possible. Which brings me to our featured story tonight. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. This story was uh, featured in uh, My Story Volume 2 from Jem. And it's about a woman named Henny Carneal, who was an educator. Um, she and her husband came from an um, Israeli Zionist movement group called Pola Mizrahi. And when they became more religious, they started teaching Torah in Jerusalem. And they, when they became religious, they asked the Rebbe where they should settle, which is they stay in Jerusalem. And the Rebbe advised them that they should go to Kfar Maimon. They should move to Kfar Maimon and, and take positions as teachers there. And they really didn't know what their role was, was to be over there because it didn't seem like, like fertile soil for teaching um, what they were familiar with, the teaching, teaching of Chabad Hasidus. And, but the Rebbe told them to go there. And it was really a natural fit because that's where they came from. But it just was unpleasant because they didn't know what their role was. And they discovered a lot of things that they could do. First of all, uh, she discovered issues with the observance of family purity in that, in that village. And she encouraged um, the women there to, uh, she brought a teacher there that everyone respected. And she also um, became a mikvah lady there. And her husband gave Torah classes. And it was very, uh, it was very pleasant. They, they were very, very successful. And um, the... Um... Hold on a second... Okay, so they was said that they should teach by being examples. Number one way of teaching someone else is by being an example. And the, their son um, didn't want to stay there. He wanted to go to a more religious school. And their son, a little, a little boy, he wrote a letter to the Rebbe saying, the Rebbe, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to be in a more religious place. And the Rebbe wrote back to him, your role is to inspire the, the, the people in the school 
to be your 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 role is to inspire everybody. And he his first day of, of school, he tells his teacher, I'm here to inspire you. And then the Rebbe said, and after school, you should tell you ask your parents to teach you more. And he did. And he really was a real emissary of the Rebbe in that school. He brought every day he brought boys home. Eventually, his parents made two classes, one for boys, one for girls. A library was open because of their efforts. And it was all because there was this boy, you're meant to be an emissary, you're meant to be an inspiration. And that's what he did. He inspired that teacher who he told it to on day one, he managed to inspire her as well. So at that time, the family was growing. They were living in a rental. And they didn't know what to do because they were living in this rented apartment. But on the other hand, they needed to expand. The Rebbe said they should build their home, even though it's, you know, there's no way to recover investments in a, in a rented property. The Rebbe said they should build their home, they should expand it with joy and gladness of heart. And they did. They didn't know why and how, how does that make sense? You, you're investing in someone else's property, but they did. They, they expanded their home. And uh, you'll see later on in the story how, how that is a very, very interesting turn of events that happened as a result of that. But anyways, after she had... A child, and uh, she came back from maternity leave in 1974. The Department of Education assigned her to go five miles away from Gaza. They asked her to take this position. This was a position uh, she was teaching for many years. She was a veteran teacher. They wanted her to take a very hard role. What was the role? She was going to teach children, teenagers, te- boys and girls, in the ages of 14 and 16. Two te- teachers already quit. They were they needed special education. They were from they were living in foster homes. That they were really not able to learn in a regular classroom setting. And, and it was a very challenging thing. And they were asking her, can you take on this position in, uh, in Takuma? And she didn't know what to do. She said, I have to ask the Rebbe first. She asks the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says to her, she should take the position, and she should make sure to share with the students stories of Hasidim, stories of Tzadikim, Hasidic stories, to inspire them to pray inspire them to give tzedakah. And she did. She told them stories, and she was successful. And the kids loved her story so much that she would tell them that whenever they have good behavior, they'll t- she'll tell them a story if they if they behave well. And this went on for a while. And she said, just to give you an example of, of the kind of, of in- environment that she was in, there was one time she was teaching, and there was a fight, and one kid picked up a chair and threw the chair at her. And the chair missed her because she ducked. And when she ducked, the chair hit, broke the window, and the wind and there's shards of glass all over her desk. But she thought this was like a the, the students wanted this to be like a battle of wills, see who has a stronger will. So she ignored the whole thing. She kept on teaching, she kept on teaching as if nothing happened. And they said, "Okay, she finished teaching. Now tell us a story." She said, "That day she didn't tell them a story." And she came back the next day. There was totally radically changed behavior for the better. And one of the students, um, when she walked in the next day. He said to her, we feel you love us. That's what, he, that's what he said. We feel you love us. She was very successful with this group of troubled youth. And she taught them for one year. And then after a year, this program disbanded. Most of the students went on to religious high schools. But there was one student whose mother was married to an Arab in Be'er Sheva. And, and th- this girl went back home to her mother. And she went to visit this girl in this Arab home. The Arab sees her, and the Arab says to her, I know who you are. I know where you live. If you don't leave my house and never come back again, I will personally go to your house and kill you. That's the Arab told her. So she knew what to do. So she wrote to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said to her, 
do you know the birthdays of uh, the, the birthday of this girl? And she said she did because she would always make a celebration for every child's birthday. So the Rebbe said, you should make sure to say the Tehillim for this girl. You know, you know how old she is? You know when her birthday is? So since you're supposed to say the Tehillim based upon your age, so if you're 13, you say Tehillim number 14. If you're 14, say Tehillim number 15 because you're going into your 15th year of life. The Rebbe said, say your Tehillim and that's all you should do. So that's what she did. For 14 years, she said Tehillim for this girl. Every single day she said this girl's Tehillim for her age, and she switched every year on her birthday for 14 years. And she thought she would probably save this girl's tilm for the rest of her life. But then her husband taught a Torah class, and at the end of the class, a woman comes over to her husband and says, hey, um, did your wife ever teach in Tekuma? He says, yes. He says, I'm, I, I'm her student. And he put, him in, he put her in touch with his wife. This girl, Baruch Hashem, through this incredible organization called Yad La'achim, that rescues um, Jews who are in these kind of fortunate circumstance with uh, entangled with, with Arabs and Arab families. They rescued her from the Arabs' home and they were able to rehabilitate her. She was able to get married. And at the, by, by the time that she met Mrs. Carneal, she already had, was married with a daughter. And so this was really something that, that, that was her, you know, her, her heart's desire fulfilled, praying for this girl for 14 years. And now, she uh, she saw that that this girl was okay, and it really you know highlights this theme that I'm I'm, I'm talking about about how when, when God gave us the Torah, every Jew had to be there, and the Rebbe sees exactly what this teacher had to do to reach this person's soul to pray for her every day. I forgot to mention that the Rebbe said when she took on the position, words that come from the heart enter the heart, and you could see that she was successful in reaching this girl's heart, and that she in the kind of life that she had in the way she grew up. So, um, for after a while, uh, they uh, had an opportunity to uh, move to Kfar Chabar. And they, uh, the, the, the Rebbe uh, was consulted, so they moved to Kfar Chabar, and the Rebbe said, if your wife agrees, only if your wife agrees, she agreed, but her husband said, to move to Kfar Chabad, we need to have 25,000 liras, the currency in Israel at that time, uh, in order to take a down payment in this, in this home of Kfar Chabad. So how are they going to afford it? But he didn't want to bother the Rebbe about it. They were given the blessing. They said, he said, if the Rebbe give a blessing, for sure there's a way it's going to work. That's what he said. That's what her husband said. They have given blessing to move to Kfar Chabad. They have didn't say how they should do it, but he wasn't going to bother the Rebbe about it. If the Rebbe said to move to Kfar Chabad, for sure there'll be a way to make this work. What happens? Unbelievable. Remember the Rebbe said that they should renovate their home that they were renting? So this yeshiva wanted to move into their apartment, to their whatever whatever um, home that they had. And the yeshiva paid for the renovations that they made in, in order to be able to take over their apartment as is. And guess how much the renovations, how much they offered? 25,000 liras. Exactly the amount that they needed to make the down payment to Kvar Chabad. So... They're in Kvar Chabad, and, and it was a little bit of a change because they were like the outreach people, right? They were the ones who were teaching Torah to these troubled youth and doing all these, and, and, and going to Paul Mizrahi. And now they're in Kfar Chabad. It was a very big change in energy. And they asked them, what should we do? They felt like they weren't doing their mission. They're supposed to share Torah and be emissaries of the Rebbe. And now they don't have this whole kind of dynamic. So the Rebbe said that 
they should focus on their own children's education. And they were like shocked because their own children were going to the best schools in Israel. They're going to these really incredible schools in Kvar And it really was an important lesson for her, she said, because you often think if you're sending your child to a really good school, so then whatever's going on with your child, it's, it's, it's the role of the school to take care of. But she understood from the Rebbe's instruction that, that it's her and her husband that, take, that they take, take responsibility for their child's education. They can never cast aspersion on the school. It's their issue, whatever's going on with their child. It really was very helpful to guide them in life. Anyways, her husband said to her one day, you know, you've never been to the Rebbe. We were emissaries of the Rebbe all our lives, but we never, never been to the Rebbe. And they, didn't have, they couldn't really afford it, but they, they managed to find this travel agent, this religious travel agent in Tel Aviv, who agreed to take payments on a ticket in installments, and they got a ticket to go to the Rebbe. And then when they came to the, in the audience of the Rebbe, she was so emotional, Mrs. Carniel, she said she had to hold on to something so she shouldn't fall down. And the Rebbe asked her, are you satisfied in Kvar Chabad? So she told the Rebbe, it's good for me. So the Rebbe said, good has no limits. So if it's good, it can get better and better. Then the Rebbe asked her, how are the children acclimating to the new environment? So she says the boys really enjoy it. Everyone's happy, especially the boys. So the Rebbe said, make sure the girls are happy too. Then the Rebbe said, are they all lighting Shabbos candles? So she says, yes. But then the Rebbe asked again, do all the girls light? And she says again, yes. Then the Rebbe asked a third time, do all the girls light? And she says yes a third time. So Debbie smiled, laughed sort of. Then took out five dollars. Debbie said the gift, he had she had three girls and two boys. Said spread out the five dollars like a fan. Debbie says give the girls a dollar and give the two boys a dollar. We don't we don't want the boys to um, be left out. They should also get two dollars. Give it to them as well. And then she left Debbie's room. She knew exactly what Debbie was talking about. What was Debbie talking about? Her youngest child. Um, wasn't three years old yet. And so she didn't light Shabbos candles yet. She knew how to say the blessings. Rebbe says you should start lighting, just parenthetically, Rebbe says you should start lighting Shabbos candles as soon as you're able to say the blessings. And the first time a girl lights Shabbos candles, she should say the blessing of Shechayonu, thanking Hashem for reaching this occasion. So you don't have to wait till the age of three. So so then she realized that Rebbe was talking about her youngest girl and she should for sure light the candle. And so she wrote a letter to Rebbe telling Rebbe that she understood what the Rebbe meant and Rebbe thanked her and uh, acknowledged her, uh, uh, thanked her for writing, and and, um, and then her daughter, of course, went like Shabbos candles. Story's not over. The Rebbe gave her five dollars, right? So her custom was she gave each child a dollar when they got married. For some reason, not known to her, she for somehow decided she'll give the girls the dollar when they got married, but she never gave the boys the dollar. So she had two dollars for her two boys. She never gave it to them. So one year in 2005, before Passover, she's cleaning for Passover, and she finds these two dollars that she had never given to her boys. So she called over her son, Aaron. Aaron gets his dollars, the youngest son. Then she called her older son, Benny, who is a emissary of the Rebbe in Gedera. And she said, the Rebbe gave you a dollar, I never gave it to you. He started to cry. She was astonished. She didn't know why he was starting to cry. He came over the next day, he told her the story. He, she said, he told, Benny told her that there's a couple in his community that really wants a blessing for children. And he told this couple how important it is to keep the laws of family purity, 
And if they keep these laws of family purity, this is a, a very appropriate vessel for to have children. So they told, they told Benny, we learned a little bit more about it and we still don't have children. Benny said to them, to encourage them, he said to them, I'll give you, if you commit to keep the laws of family purity exactly, I'll give you my most precious possession. I'll give you my dollar from the Rebbe. It was very important to him, but it was even more important to him that this couple should be blessed with children. And so apparently it was the right incentive because this man and his wife started learning laws of family purity and his wife was blessed to become pregnant. And so he realized he had to fill his part of the bargain. He, he pushed it off and pushed it up, but he had to finally do it. And he, and, he, and he gave the guy the dollar. As soon as he gave the dollar to this guy, five minutes later, his mother, Henny Carneal, called him and told him that she has the dollar that the Rebbe had given him many years before. She, she, told him, she called him five minutes later. Anyway, his point is, my dear friends, we're now at Mount Sinai. We're at the Temple Mount, like one man with one heart. We should use the remaining days we have till Shavuos to reach out to other Jews and to inspire, invite everyone to be there to hear the Ten Commandments and that merit and we should merit tonight to celebrate in Yerushalayim with Mashiach and automatically on Shavuos already will be in Jerusalem. Have a wonderful day and may God bless us all to receive the Torah with joy and inspiration. Good Yantiv and good vach.